Colossians chapter 3, looking at verses 1 to 17. The Apostle Paul writes, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's word. Let's pray. O oh Lord, we pray this morning that you would open our eyes and ears and hearts as we hear your word preached. We pray that we would be transformed by the renewal of our minds so that we are able to test and discern what is your will, your good and perfect will. Help us to live in obedience to Jesus and to not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Would you do this through the power of your spirit and your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, Happy New Year, Year. 2024, we made it. 
And this is the time where many of us, myself included, make our New Year's resolutions. For me, it's about lacing up my running shoes. I have goals to focus on my spiritual, my mental, and physical health. But most of us know January is also notorious for seeing our resolutions abandoned. And I hope and pray that we're not part of that crowd. And today, I I want to suggest adding one more resolution, but not just for the year, but for your entire lives. In our passage this morning, the Apostle Paul urges the Colossian Christians to put on their new selves in Christ, to understand who they are because of him, and to live in light of that. And so I hope this morning that as we walk through this passage that you, if you are a Christian, see who you already are in Christ and that you would see the importance of putting on the new self, that you make it your goal this year and for the rest of your life to grow in godliness, to follow Jesus and to become more and more like him. That you would be committed to living the Christian life, committed to walking in obedience to Jesus and saying no to sin and living in a way that glorifies God and blesses those around you. There are three things Paul tells us to do in our text to set our minds on the things above, to put off the old, and to put on the new. And as we look at these things, the main point, what I hope you see in the text, is this. The Christian life involves knowing who you are in Christ and putting on the new self in place of the old. The Christian life involves knowing who you are in Christ and putting on the new self in place of the old. All right, well, it's important for us to to get a little context here since we're jumping right into chapter 3. Paul is writing this letter to the church at Colossae because some false teachers were trying to draw people away from trusting in Jesus. They were promoting legalism to to keep more and more rules and also telling people that they needed to have more spiritual experiences. And so Paul is encouraging the Colossians to remain true to what they've learned. And for the first two chapters, he's been reminding these Christians of who Jesus is and who they are in Christ And now Paul begins chapter 3 with the encouragement to apply these things that he's been teaching. Verse 1 begins with the words, if then. This points us back to what Paul said in chapter 2, where he explained to the Colossians that because they have received Christ, because they have believed in him, they were buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith. 
They were dead in their sins and trespasses before Christ, but God made them alive together with him. God had brought them from spiritual death to spiritual life. And so now Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Remember, we just finished the Gospel of John, and it ends with the risen Jesus appearing and revealing himself to his disciples. And he comes and he helps them out of some spiritual struggle that they were struggling with, and he encourages them to live in the new resurrection life that he has now provided for them. And now here, Paul is encouraging the saints at Colossae to live lives based on who they are in Christ. They have been raised up with him to a new life. And they are to live in light of this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. You have been raised with Christ. You might not have thought about that this much lately, but that's true of you if you believe in Jesus. There are a lot of things that happened in the miracle of our conversion. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been adopted into God's family. And we have gone from spiritual death to spiritual life. And so we have been raised with Christ to new life. In this new year, I want to remind you of the new life that you have in Jesus. It's not merely the grace of God that saves us, but it's also the grace of God by which we are enabled to live for him. Paul is encouraging the Colossians who have been raised with Christ to live out that new life, to seek and set their minds on the things above where Christ is, to focus on Jesus and where he is, to focus on our Lord and Savior and our true home. He says that their lives are hidden with Christ in God. If you believe your lives are secure in the union that you have with Jesus, and we have the promise that one day he will come back and we will be with him in glory, we have a future hope. We have a living hope. Paul encourages the Colossians to seek and set their minds on things that are above, not the things of this earth, to set their focus on Jesus. And then after telling them to do this, he gives them some practical instructions on what this looks like. Because setting our minds on the things above has nothing to do with us just having our heads in the clouds. Look at what Paul says in verse 5. Put to death Therefore, what is earthly in you? He tells them to put to death, to kill what is earthly in them. 
He tells them to kill their sin. Now, previous generations were way better at teaching this than our generation. The Puritans preached many sermons and wrote many books about the mortification of sin, the killing of sin. John Owen, one of the Puritans, is famous for saying, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And sadly, that message isn't preached that often. But we need to see the seriousness of our sin. Now, even though I have died to sin in Christ, sin has not been eradicated from my life. And if that was the case, then Paul wouldn't waste ink in saying all these things. And notice he gives us Two lists of sins. You can see them there in verse 5 and in verse 8. Why does Paul list these specific sins? He says things like sexual immorality, idolatry, anger, obscene talk, Why are these sins listed? Well, maybe those false teachers who had been influencing the church were guilty of these things. Or maybe these sins were particular to what the Colossian congregation was dealing with. But these are sins that we sadly know dwell in all of our hearts. These are sins that are common to all of us. We have to admit that we have the seed of all of these sins in our hearts. And if we were left to ourselves, there is no end to what we would do. This is not a list of things that we once struggled with. This is a list of things that we struggle with on a daily basis basis. And Paul tells the Colossians to put these things to death, to continue putting these things to death. We all struggle with these sins in different ways. And if you ever get to that place where you think that you don't, that is a very dangerous place to be. John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We need to take sin seriously and put it to death. And so as you consider the goals, the the things that you have resolved to do this year, I hope that at the top of that list is to be getting rid of these sins in your life, to kill these sins. It might be good for some of you to take some time in God's word and prayer and ask God to reveal the sins in your life. Because some may be obvious, and yet others might remain underneath the surface. 
There may be sins that you have used to cope with the struggles of life. You may have become so desensitized to sin that you just don't even see it anymore. Make some time to ask the Lord to reveal these things to you so that this year your growth in Christ is not held back. Because if you don't deal with these things, you will not grow in Christ. Do you want to grow in Christ? Do you want to live the Christian life? This is one of the basic principles. Saying no to sin. Getting rid of sin. Putting sin to death is not optional in the Christian life. And I hope you know that it's not enough to just say, oh, we're sinners. You know, I'm a sinner. We need to confess specific sins. We need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me for my lustful heart. Have mercy on me for my explosive anger. Have mercy on me for my heart that loves to slander and gossip about others. Paul calls sin very much what it is. And it makes some of us uncomfortable. Sexual immorality. Some of us are doing things, looking at things that we shouldn't. And sex outside of marriage is sin. Impurity. Entertaining those impure thoughts. Maybe playing with the purity of your heart and body or with someone else's. Passion. Evil desire. Coveting. Idolatry. Most of the sins that Paul lists here are internal sins, things that go on in the heart, but they lead to action if they are left unchecked. You can kind of see this. This is a reverse list because evil desire leads to passion and impurity and then to sexual immorality. But they're all here. They're all listed here because they're all sins. That's why Jesus said that if a man looks at a woman with a lustful heart, he has already committed adultery. And that applies to some of the TV shows we watch and some of the things that you look at on your computer and phone. And do you see that it's all rooted in idolatry and coveting? When we are not content with the things that God has given us, we fall into idolatry, the worship of self. Because when we sin, we are doing what we desire rather than what God desires. And so we are worshiping ourselves instead of God. That's idolatry. 
That's why Paul says to put them off. These sins are like that dirty, grungy t-shirt that doesn't fit anymore that we are wanting to put back on even though we know it's something that we shouldn't be wearing. Because it's not who we are anymore. It's not who you are anymore. Remember what Paul said, you have been raised with Christ. You have died to these things. And Paul says in verse six, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. You used to be like this, but you have a new identity as a Christian. You are children of God. Don't act like children of wrath anymore. We need to see the seriousness of our sin. It's so serious that God's wrath will be poured out on all sin and evil. God wants us to view sin the way that he views it. And how do we do this? One of those ways is that we can look at the cross. It was because of my sin, because of the evil in my heart, that Jesus bore the wrath of God. All these sins that are listed were placed on him so that he took the wrath of God on himself in my place. We should take sin seriously because of what it took for us to be forgiven of it. Now, if you're not in Christ, you don't have the ability to put away these things. And you are under the wrath of God. And so you must flee to God for mercy. You must seek forgiveness and salvation in Jesus Christ. But know that if you are in Christ, you don't have to live in terror of the wrath of God because Jesus died in your place. But what Paul is saying here is to take sin seriously, to not forget what God has done, and to not forget who you are in Christ. Put sin to death. Remove it. And notice the next list in verse 8. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouths. Now this list contains sins that are often seen externally. But you, you can be a very quiet person with a lot of anger in your heart. So these things do start in the heart. And yet they're often seen externally and are aimed at others. These sins affect our relationships in the home and in the church. 
anger, slander, obscene talk. Oh, how guilty we all are of these things. Acting out in anger towards our parents or our children or other brothers and sisters in Christ. Talking about someone behind their back. Saying things to tear down others. You know, people say sometimes, oh, I'm sorry, that came out wrong. (laughs) No, what was in your heart came out. These sins are within all of us. Paul says, verse 9, do not lie to one another. Don't tell lies. And don't pretend to be someone that you're not. Don't let your life be a lie. When you are struggling with sin, you should be able to to let other brothers and sisters know about it. Go to them and and say, please pray for me. I'm struggling with this. James encourages us that if we have sinned, we should confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. May we be a church that is open and honest about our sins, not judging others, but confessing and praying for each other and encouraging each other to press on towards godliness. Paul tells them to put off. Putting off means that some things may have to change. You might have to install some software on your phone. You may have to stop watching that TV show. That relationship that you have may have to change. You may need to go to that person that you've been angry with or gossiping about and seek forgiveness. Look again at verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, something happened to us. The old self died. You have been crucified with Christ and you also have been raised with him. And Paul says here that you have already put off the old self and have put on the new. So don't go back. Don't put on that old, gross, grungy T-shirt. We need to see here is that the ability to do the things that Paul is telling us to do is not in ourselves but through the power that comes through the resurrection of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit. Remember, he started this off, if then you have been raised with Christ, the ability that we need to live for God only comes from Jesus. And today we're bombarded with messages about fixing ourselves. Self-improvement, self-discovery, all sorts of self-help garbage. But this passage tells us something different. 
Paul says, put off these things and put on this new self. It's already yours. You already have it. This is already a reality for you. Self-help revolves around our own efforts and striving to change ourselves, which is exhausting and defeating, and we really can't do it. It's not about us trying harder or doing more to become better, but it's about embracing the identity that God has already provided in his son, Jesus Christ. And as we focus on Jesus, as we follow him in obedience, he will change us. And it seems like the Colossians had not really understood who they were in Christ to the point that church unity was at stake. Verse 11, Paul writes, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. People were looking at each other in the church and saying, oh, he's a Greek, she's a Scythian. Cultural and ethnic and other sorts of barriers were in danger of dividing this church. And so Paul reminds them that being in Christ is what unites us. It's what defines us. Those other things, our ethnicity, the cultural things about us only serve to show how great God's mercy and grace is because he saves all types of people. Okay, so we're to put off the old self, to be killing sin, to stop doing the sinful earthly things we used to do, but Paul doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, stop doing these things and you'll be good to go. That would be just like the man in Jesus' parable who swept his house. He cleaned himself up. He stopped doing what he used to do. And then seven demons came in and Jesus says that the last state of that man was worse than the first. If there's not a replacement of what was old with what is new, we can't progress in the Christian life. You don't grow in Christ-likeness if there isn't a replacement of out with the old and in with the new. Remember, Paul says that we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. All new creations in Christ still need to constantly be renewed. New creations can still act like the old self. We see this in the scriptures, but we also see evidence of it in our own lives. We need to be renewed in the knowledge of our creator to know everything we can from God's word about who Jesus is, and what he has done, and who I am, and what he has done for me, and how I should live and respond to those things. The hardships of living in this broken world and interacting with the people of this world sometimes makes us forget that we are not of 
this world. We are not like the people of this world. Look at verse 12. Paul says, put to death what is earthly in you. He tells us what to put off, but he also tells us what to put on. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Again, Paul is reminding the Colossians of who they are. Those who believe in Jesus, who have been raised with Christ, are God's chosen ones. God's chosen ones. Think about this. Before the foundations of the world, God saw what you would do. What you would do was rebel against him and reject him. He saw that you would never come to him. He saw that you were dead in your sins and trespasses. He saw that you were spiritually dead, unable to come to him. And instead of leaving you there, before he hung the stars, he said, I will love this one. I will make him or her mine. If you are a Christian, you have been chosen by God. What grace. What mercy. Paul says chosen and Holy, holy meaning set apart. And God's message to Christians here is not, you are not yet holy, but you will get there someday. That's not God's message. God's message here is you are holy because of what you already are in Christ. You are chosen, holy, and loved but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God views you. If you are in him, chosen, holy, and loved. And Paul encourages the Colossians to put on some things as God's chosen and beloved people. And do you notice that these things are things that we see most clearly in Jesus? Compassion. Jesus was full of compassion. He was moved by compassion. When he saw the man with the withered hand, he had compassion on him. Or the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda who was waiting there trying to get an opportunity to just get into the waters and when the water was stirred up so that he would be healed. Jesus had compassion on him. When Jesus saw the effects of the death of his friend Lazarus, he wept. He had compassion for the sick and for the sinful. Even when he was tired 
and he needed rest. But the people kept on coming to him. He had compassion on them, and he ministered to them. Kindness. Jesus was kind, and he taught his disciples to serve one another and be kind. Humility. Jesus was humble. When he described himself, he he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am humble. In Philippians 2, Paul says that Jesus humbled himself by becoming a servant. His whole life was a life of humility, from a humble manger to humbling himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Word, the Word who is God, who gives life and breath to all things was marked out by humility. Meekness. He submitted to the will of his Father and said, not my will, but yours be done. Patience. Jesus was patient with all around him. And so we are to put on these things and to follow in the example set by our Savior. Paul says in verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So we are to demonstrate grace toward one another. And what is the motive that Paul gives us here? He says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. We must be taking off the old and putting on the new. And so are you putting on compassion? Are you putting on patience? Are you putting on forgiveness? You know, when someone cannot forgive another Christian, again, that's a very dangerous place to be. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 that a person who doesn't forgive others will not be forgiven by God. Jesus says that. So are you putting on forgiveness? Look at verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We need to have love for one another. Because if we don't, then we're really not bearing with one another. We're just dealing with one another, which eventually will lead to slandering and gossiping about each other. But Paul says love binds everything together. And remember the new commandment that Jesus gave his disciples to love one another. Love is the distinguishing mark of a disciple of Jesus. All of these qualities we see in him. 
And if you think about it, they are impossible to put on outside a community of people. Right? How can you have compassion or patience if you don't interact with other believers? Christians become better Christians in community, not in isolation. We need the church. You need the church in order to progress in the Christian life. And as we are, by the providence of God, forced to live side by side, to bear with one another, to practice patience, to learn humility, to forgive, guess what? We become like Jesus. We are to put these things on. Put off the old dirty t-shirt that doesn't fit and put on these new gospel clothes. And as we put on these gospel clothes, we will grow in holiness. We will grow in Christ-likeness. But now how are we to grow in these things? How are we to grow in setting and seeking our minds on the things above? How are we to grow in putting off the old self and killing sin? How are we to grow in putting on the new self and clothing ourselves in these gospel clothes? In verse 15, Paul says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Now, the peace of Christ here isn't that inner peace that you have when you sit by a lake with a cup of tea. That's not what Paul is talking about here. The peace of Christ is the peace that we have with God because Jesus has made peace with us and God through the blood of his cross. That peace needs to rule in our hearts. And we need to be thankful. Thankful for the salvation that we have in him and thankful for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul also encourages the Colossians in verse 16 to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That word dwell means to be at home. The word of Christ should be at home within the believer. How do we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly? Well, we must begin by reading it. But not just simply reading it. I, I'm sure most of you have started some sort of Bible reading plan to begin the new year, which is great. Keep on reading. But in order for the word of Christ to dwell in us richly, we need to do more than just read our Bibles. We need to meditate on it, to take some time and think about what we read. You could do this by journaling. You could do this by asking some good, simple questions about what the text is saying and how should I apply this to my life. We should read it. We should meditate on it. We should maybe memorize it and then obey it. We shouldn't study the Bible just to learn things. We should study in order for it to dwell in us richly. 
to change us, to transform us, so that we walk in obedience to our God and look more like Jesus. And Paul says that the Word does two things. Right? It teaches and it admonishes. It teaches. It helps us understand the truth. And it also admonishes. It warns us of the importance of obedience and the consequences of disobedience. But it doesn't only produce information. Right? We see here that it also leads to worship. Paul is urging the Colossians to put the whole message of Christ at the center of their corporate worship experience. They are to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and they are to sing to one another. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that help the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And then in verse 17, he says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, your whole life, eating, drinking, driving, exercising, cleaning the house, shopping, working, playing, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. We do all these things for his glory. And and if there's something in your life that you cannot do in the name of the Lord Jesus, then you need to stop doing it. But do all things in the name of Jesus. We have been raised with Christ, being given the ability to resist sin and to live changed lives. And we don't just do this on Sunday mornings. What Paul is saying here is we do this every day and in every moment, and we are to give thanks to God for all that he has done. And so as we begin this new year, I hope that you realize what Christ has done for you. I hope you realize who you are in him. You have been raised with Christ. You are God's chosen child who is holy and deeply loved. pray as you begin this new year that you begin living the Christian life by putting off the old self and putting on the new self more and more. The Christian life involves knowing who you are in Christ and putting on the new self in place of the old. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. May it dwell in us richly. Lord, would you help us to set our minds on the things above? You know and we know the weakness of our flesh, how we've failed, how we've kept on the old self. And yet, Lord, you have been faithful and patient with us. 
Lord, forgive us. Create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Make us a people who see that we have been raised with Christ, who see that we are chosen, holy, and loved. And Help us to kill our sin and to put on the new self more and more this year. Give us grace to do this. Help us to be in our Bibles. Help us to grow in compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And help us to bear with one another, to forgive one another, and to love one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.